Amen. Well, let us turn together in the Word of God to the Gospel of Luke and the chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke and the chapter 2. The hymns that we have been singing tonight are based upon the particular chapter that we're reading from tonight. And we're just going to have a short Bible reading and then a little time together around the Word. And we'll have a season of prayer and of thanksgiving to the Lord. We have been looking at Colossians on our Tuesday night prayer meetings. And God willing, in a couple of weeks' time, we will return uh, to that study in Colossians. But tonight, uh, just in keeping uh, with the theme of this time of the year, I'm going to read from this familiar portion of Luke chapter 2. We'll break in there at the 8th verse, Luke chapter 2 and the verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. We'll just end there at verse 14. And it's really those last two verses, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And you have in these verses the angel's song. Really what we have read here is the announcement of the Savior's birth, the announcement of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the announcement of any birth is a joyous and a happy occasion. And births are announced in many different ways. If it's a royal baby that has been born, they still use the old-fashioned method of posting a notice just outside Buckingham Palace to announce the royal arrival and to give details of the birth. And I suppose today it is mostly uh, through a phone call or maybe a text message or even the WhatsApp message complete with the photograph of the newborn baby. And thankfully throughout the past year here in Hillsborough we have had some announcements of births in and around the congregation and we're thankful to the Lord for that the announcement of a birth. 
Well, here the announcement was done in a most unique way, for it was announced by an angel, an angel from heaven who appeared to the shepherds. And of course, whenever the angel appeared, the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And so as this announcement was being made, they had to bring first that message to the hearts of the shepherds. Fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And in verse 11, we have the mention of the Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the announcement there gives to us the identity of the child that has been born in Bethlehem's manger. Uh, There is a triplet of names there given to the newborn babe, Savior. I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Thank God he's the Savior tonight. He's the only Savior of men. And also in that 11th verse, he's given that title, Christ. And that is the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah who was prophesied off right throughout the Old Testament. He's the Christ of God. And then he's Lord. Thank God he's Lord of all. He's the Lord, and that speaks of his authority and of his power. All power is given unto me, the Savior could say. And so you can see there the mention of the Savior. And then in verse 12, you have the sign. Very simple signs that were given. This shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so up to that verse, it was one angel that had appeared to the shepherds. It was one angel that was giving the announcement of the Savior's birth. But just as the angel has given that announcement, verse 13 says, And suddenly, and something changes here, it's no longer the one angel, but the one angel is joined by a multitude. The one angel is joined by the heavenly hosts. The heavenly host is praising the Lord. And as you think about the praises here of the Lord, you have the angel's song. And the angel's song, by way of its content, it is very instructive to us. And I just for that little moment together want to draw your attention to the verse 14 in particular And as we think here about the angel's song, it refers to God's praise. It says, glory to God in the highest. My, this was the praises of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. This was heaven's choir. That multitude of angels, the heavenly host, all joining together and they're singing 
praises unto the Lord. And what is it that comes first? It says, glory to God. And the order must be noted there. Glory to God must always come first. That should never be reversed. God is to be glorified. And here you have glory to God in the highest. My Latin would be a little rusty, but it's gloria in excelsis Deo. Maybe at times you have sung that, glory to God in the highest. And so what is it that draws this, this praise on to the Lord? It is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his entrance into this world, and it's drawing here the praises of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. The highest ends in E-S-T. That's the superlative. That is the highest. You can't go any higher. Commentators are not sure whether this uh, reference in the highest is referring to the region of the Lord. That he is in the highest, and of course he is. That's, that's the Lord's abode. He's in the highest heaven. He's in the third heaven. Glory to God in the highest, right into the very abode of the Lord. Or whether that expression in the highest is a reference to the glory itself, and that is the Lord is to be given glory to the highest degree, the highest possible measure of glory is to be given unto the Lord. And that's drawn here through the birth of the Lord Jesus. His appearing into the world is the cause of bringing this great glory onto the Lord. And he did that in his life. We know how the Lord lived that perfect life. We know how he lived that righteous life, that holy life. And he brought glory to God in that sense. But all of the divine attributes were revealed there in the person of God's dear Son. We have been highlighting in Colossians how that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And therefore, as the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed, it's God himself who is being revealed in his character and in his attributes in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. It's all revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, he's bringing that glory to God in the highest. And of course, in his death, in his death, he brought glory to God. John chapter 17 in that great high priestly prayer, the Savior was able to look heavenward and he was able to say to the Father, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And there is the Lord Jesus Christ satisfied on the cross all the demands of divine justice. He glorified the Father. He satisfied the Father. 
When we consider Christ coming forth into the world and living that life without blemish, that sinless life, and going to the cross and dying there and bearing our sin and shame in his own body there upon the tree, we must join with the heavenly host. We must praise him. We must say glory to God in the highest. All the praise all the honor and all the glory belongs unto the Lord. The angel's song refers to God's praise. Would you look at verse 14 again? And the angel's song refers to God's peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And so here through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a peace that is promised. The gospel here, the incarnation of Christ, the promise here is that it's going to bring peace. You might say tonight, where is that peace? You listen to the news and even over the Christmas period we hear news of trouble. You hear about the stabbings that take place, the shootings that take place. You hear about the war in Ukraine, the utter devastation and destruction that there has been in that land and the thousands of deaths that have taken place. We could ask the question tonight, where is this peace on earth? Did the angels get it wrong? When they joined in here as the heavenly host praising God and saying on earth, peace, is that peace, has it been elusive? Promised peace. We say tonight it's a possessed peace because that peace is found within our heart. The peace that it's speaking about is not so much a peace between man and man. It's a peace between God and man. And whenever that soul is reconciled to God, we have that peace with God within our hearts. And therefore the promise here where it says on earth peace, it's a peace within the heart of everyone that trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promised peace. Thank God tonight we know that peace. And we possess that peace. Nothing that happens in this old world can rob us of that peace. It's the peace of God. It's the peace which was promised and possessed and purchased. The purchased peace. Again, it was in Colossians that we learned that having made peace through the blood of his cross. And as the Lord Jesus Christ hung upon the accursed tree and he poured out his life's blood unto death, it was to purchase that peace for his people. He's the source and the giver, the author of that peace. Isaiah 9 and 6 is another verse that is often quoted at this time of the year. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 
He's the Prince of Peace tonight. And he purchased that peace for us as he hung upon that center tree. Thank God we know by experience that there's peace on earth. That peace is within the heart of God's people. There's a sense in which we could say it's a prophesied peace because it does reach out into the future. Right to when the Savior comes the second time. And when he comes the second time, he's going to reign in righteousness upon the earth. His feet is going to touch the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in two. And when the Lord comes and he reigns in righteousness, there will be peace. Then in that sense, prophetically, it, it will be fulfilled. We were referring last Tuesday night to Isaiah 11, and it speaks there about the branch, the branch that will come forth as the rod out of the stem of Jesse and growing out of his roots. And on down that 11th chapter, we read something about that peace. Verse 5, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. And as you would read those verses and the verses that follow in Isaiah 11, it's a wonderful picture of peace, peace on earth, the peace that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that word peace comes from the original verb that means to join together, to bind together, and especially a joining together of that which has been broken or that which has been divided. And so there's a bringing of the two pieces together and there is that union And that's speaking to us about that blessed union that we then have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the peace that we have. Oh, our sins had separated us from God and there was no peace uh, to the wicked. But when we came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we were joined eternally to the Savior, there's a peace. Thank God for the peace in our heart. It passeth all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that peace, that union with the Savior, that union with brothers and sisters in the Lord, brings that peace. Unite it to the Lord and unite it to his people. The peace that's here spoken of is the very opposite to division. It's a peace that joins together. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace. I read a little bit about Alfred Nobel. And he was the inventor of dynamite. And you think of how dynamite, it blows apart. And and the destruction and the damage that dynamite can do. And whenever he invented that dynamite, it changed the whole course of warfare. 
and it shaped the course of warfare. And you think of the many, yea, the multitudes that have lost their lives as a result of the invention of dynamite. It was the same individual. Perhaps he had a conscience that what he had invented had caused the loss of so many lives and the wars that had taken place that in his will he set aside a fund and the fund was to promote peace. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's the Nobel Peace Prize named after Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite. And annually there's an award given to those who are considered to be the promoters of peace. And here we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest of all, the author of peace, the greatest promoter of peace. And through his birth, through his life, and through his death, there's true peace. The true peace that's found alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God and the peace of God within our hearts. And so in the angel's song, we have God's praise. We have God's peace. Then I want you to see thirdly the reference to God's pleasure. At the end of verse 14, it says, goodwill toward men. This is through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's glory to God in the highest on earth. There's peace and there's goodwill toward men. And that goodwill could also be translated good pleasure. Good pleasure. It's coming from the Lord. And it pictures those individuals upon whom God's good pleasure rests. It's to do with God's grace and God's favor and God's blessing toward mankind. Jesus Christ coming into the world brings his good pleasure toward men. We have tasted of that tonight. We have experienced that tonight, God's goodwill. God's good pleasure has certainly rested upon us. In the Psalm 115 and the verse 3, it tells us that the Lord has done whatsoever he pleased. Whatsoever he please. God can do as he pleases. God is sovereign in all affairs. He does as he pleases. Isaiah 53 says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Speaking of Christ on Calvary, God's good pleasure God's goodwill toward man that pleased the Lord to bruise his son in order that we might be saved. Twice over in the Gospels you would read those words from the Father in heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God's good pleasure. That goodwill of the Lord is evident in man. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, to save them that believe. 
And so tonight we, we would have to thank the Lord that we have known his goodwill. We have known his good pleasure to, to rest upon us. And there's the sense too that having experienced that goodwill of the Lord, we should seek to, to show that goodwill to those around us. As we think about the angel's song just so briefly tonight, we know the peace of God. We know the good pleasure of the Lord toward us. Even looking back on 2022, the Lord has been gracious and long-suffering with each one of us. We have much tonight to praise him for. And we have much tonight to thank him for. And I trust that as we come to our season of prayer that we will do that. That together we will give thanks unto the Lord. We could say with the angels, glory to God in the highest. May the Lord bless these thoughts to each of our hearts this evening. We'll sing a few verses of the hymn number 81. The hymn numbered 81. And just singing verses 1 to 3. And then we'll sing the remaining verses 